Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick or the Notorious Fantasy, and I am joined with Mike today or at Mike Me Up on Twitter. And we're going to be talking about the Seattle Seahawks and breaking them down for redraft. I'm sure we can sprinkle in a little bit of Dynasty in today's video, but we're going to be talking about the main players on the team. Obviously, no kickers, no defenses today, just the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and the tight ends for the Seattle Seahawks that we feel as though, or basically that I feel as though, are fantasy relevant for 2020. Before we get into it, real quick, I'd like to ask that if you guys do. End up enjoying hit that subscribe button down below it's free i put out videos every single day and make sure you hit that like button as well to boost this video up the algorithm so that more beautiful people like yourself can see it so without further ado let's get into this so mike where do you want them to look to follow you oh uh, yeah you can find me on twitter at mike me up with two p's uh and then you know i work with bdg nick and the you know fellows noah and max animal and snacks so you can find us on the bdg store and then i have a like a solo patreon uh, that technically falls under BDG too, but it's called the Wolf Pack, and it's for dynasty players. So if you're a hardcore dynasty player, you want to just I don't know fucking crush your league mates like we all do, uh, hop on over. It's Patreon.com/slash Our Pack. There's a bunch of tiers in there. You can see what you like to do. Whether you know if you like Devi, there's Devi rankings. You have all my ranks in there, uh, and then there's NFL and caller side and rookie rankings as well. So you know, just a little flavor for for everyone. You know, I understand it's probably not for everyone. Not everyone's a DGen like me. You know, in like 25 <laughs> dynasty leagues and you know doing whatever it is. I'm doing but if that's your thing you know come on over and check us out it's a pretty popping discord we're talking dynasty football like pretty much 24 7 i'm in there all day so yeah make sure you guys check that out all of mike's stuff will be linked down below in case you just didn't follow exactly what he said so with let's get into it here so the first player we're going to be talking about obviously is going to be the quarterback of the seattle seahawks russell wilson underdog adp 72.9 quarterback number six first i want to get your thoughts on him and then i'll talk about my opinions as well what do you think about russell wilson for redraft this year do you think quarterback six is a good price to be paying for him or do you think that's a little too high or maybe even you think that's too low and he should be higher I mean, I think that's a that's a fair price to pay. I mean, I've been drafting Russell Wilson a lot, a ton in underdogs, just because I think the Seattle uh, stack has been one of the most affordable and valuable to acquire. Because you can get Russell Wilson usually in like the late sixth uh, is usually when I pull the trigger on him. Uh, but you can get like DK in the second, third. You can get Lockett in the fourth, and then you know that's a very concentrated red zone and target volume so that's usually what i'm looking for in a stack at least and russ like look people like to hate on russ is like you know he disappeared in the last part of the last season but like disappeared for him is still like 19 points right like he's not really gonna lose you the week and i think you know we're, this guy is you know probably a hall of fame talent i don't know if we'll get there because his stats are held back by pete carroll and his gum true and ass but overall <laughs> i mean i think I think redraft wise, like I, I love Ross, I love Russell Wilson. Like there's only you know, you take obviously take Patrick Mahomes over him, right? You probably take Kyler over him. Yeah. Uh you probably take um most people would take Josh Allen over him. I think it's actually pretty close. Uh and then I would take Lamar Jackson over him. And then, you know, kind of past that, it's it's a it's a toss up, right? And Russ has been doing it longer than all those people, and he's still in his prime. So and and as much as Pete wants to run the ball, like I mean, you need a good defense to do that. So, uh, I think I think Russell Wilson's pretty pretty good, fairly priced, if not like slightly underpriced. I definitely don't think he's overpriced, like most people think. Okay, yeah, I I am in the other standpoint, the other boat of thinking he's slightly overpriced, but I do understand your argument. I think that quarterback six is a first, uh, perfectly fine place to take him. I would lean. What do you think about Justin Herbert versus Russell Wilson? Who would you lean in redraft? In I want I want Russ. Yeah, okay. I want Russ. I mean, if you want Herbert, like no problem. I've I've been mixing in uh, both Herbert and Russ because in the underdogs they basically go like back to back, and they have been for quite some time. 
But the reason why I go Russ and underdogs is like, like I said, it's easier to get the stack for him, and it's a lot harder to get the stack for Russ because like you have to get Keenan Allen, and then you have to kind of reach for Mike Williams. I don't really like where his ADP is at right now. Um, and then you know with Russ, you can get Gerald Everett later, and I like him better than Jared Cook. So it's a toss up. But I think for redraft purposes, I'm gonna go with the guy that's kind of been balling out but i understand the arguments for herbert as well i think they're both correctly valued and you can kind of go either way uh personally i would mix in a little bit of both okay so right now russ uh last season he finished his quarterback six and four point quarterback four and six point for passing touchdown league so he is probably pretty fairly priced obviously quarterback six on underdog does anyone even play in six point per passing touchdown leagues at this point do you play in any of those six point passing yeah yeah, I mean, that's all oh, I do. play in. I, oh, really? I barely play in any four-point pass. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me that a run, running TD was worth more than a passing TD. The person, okay, but. so we're on the complete opposite standpoints on that. Yeah. All of mine are four-point. So. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, for, if, if you're doing four-points, I think the edge might even go to Russ a little bit because he rushes a bit more uh, than Herbie. Even though Herbie can do it, um, I think you know Russ has been doing it for, for quite some time. So uh, it's pretty close, man. They're great quarterbacks. Like you, th- I think those two are the quarterbacks I target the most in underdogs because they're both going in that late sixth, early seventh round. And I don't think there's that big of a difference between one of them and like a Dak or a Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree on that. So the next position to talk about here is the running backs. Obviously, we'll lead off with Chris Carson, but the running backs listed on the roster. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny with two A's, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas. So what do you think about – we're not even going to talk about Chris Carson first. What do you think about Rashad Penny? Are you on the standpoint of being a Rashad Penny truther, or are you like myself who thinks that Rashad Penny is just – he's just nothing for Seattle? I wouldn't say well, I'm a truther. I was really interested in him before like the knee flared up again. And now like the knee flared up again. It's like, <laughs> what is this guy ever going to make it back on the field? We don't know. Like I wasn't the biggest Penny fan coming out of college either because he just like basically raffle stomped the the college scene because his offensive, <laughs> offensive line was better than everyone else. And he came to the NFL, he showed some flashes, but like, you know, at the end of the day, everyone shows flashes, right? So you kind of have to win out. The, the reason why I was intrigued by him is because Chris Carson can't stay healthy either. And, you know, the running back position is a volume game. So if he steps in opportunity, I think he's like okay enough to like produce, but I don't think he's like a world beater. But now that he's injured, it's like a lot less interesting. Like early on in the season, I was grabbing a ton of Rashad Penny because I'm like, hey, like, you know, he might get mixed in with Chris Carson there. And then if Chris Carson gets hurt, like he's in for a pretty stellar volume as well. I mean, in the limited uh, opportunities he did see, he did produce, but like I said, very small sample. So it's nothing to really hang your hat on. Yeah, in three years, he's only played in 27 games. He did have yeah. a 5.1 yard per carry, which is a pretty solid mark for a running back. 161 rushes, 823 rushing yards, five touchdowns. Also yeah. somewhat good at pass catching. But like you said, if this guy just cannot get on the field, what's yeah. the point in even drafting him? I mean, he's underdog ADP running back 59. I've done so many drafts. I don't even think I've seen Rashad Penny go in most yeah. drafts. Um, yeah, I think he's fine to just toss in there on that on that last flyer. Because I mean, to be honest, like if you're dropping underdogs, right? Like rounds sixteen to eighteen are not difference makers. Like I mean, usually I just try and spread it out uh, through a couple of guys, and if they hit great, like if drop penny hits, he's gonna do wonders for you, right? Because if Chris Carson gets injured and he somehow makes it on the field, you're looking at a probably like a mid round RB two for free. So that's the that's the draw for Rashad Penny. Uh, and in best ball, it's a lot more interesting because like you don't have to worry about you know making lab decisions. Like he could just go off and have a couple big big yeah. receptions or a couple touchdowns, and he could be in your lineup. Uh, whereas in seasonal, it's like a lot less interesting because like if they're both playing, you're not going to be able to start Rashad Penny, right? So he's basically you know just a backup, um, but you know a backup that has some upside. So 
Okay, if Penny was to not play like we've seen throughout his career, would you think Travis Homer or DJ Dallas would be the guy to own if there was like a waiver wire scenario? Because I don't think many people are drafting like Travis Homer. So yeah, I mean, I I think DJ Dallas is probably a little bit of a better bet. I mean, neither of them really did like much of anything, like kind of when given the opportunity. I mean, yeah. So you're not too excited about it, but if I were to bet, I'd probably just grab a DJ Dallas. And uh, shout out to my guy Garrett Price over at Dynasty Nerds. He's a big fan of DJ Dallas. Yeah, I love I love me some DJ Dallas. So now into the actual running back here. Even though there are thoughts of injury prone with Chris Carson, he is one of my favorite running backs to be drafting right now. Running back 18 on underdog, overall pick 39.2. He's going to be a guy that I have on a lot of my redraft teams this season because I think he genuinely has top 10 upside when he's healthy. Now, again, there's a huge win because he does miss games every single year. But if he's able to put up 13, 14 games, I think he's going to smash where he's being drafted right now, running back 18. What do you think about Carson? so chris carson is an interesting case he's someone that i love to root for and watch but he's someone that i just don't have on any of my teams because you know yeah he could he could definitely he could definitely pay off i mean you're you're drafting running back 18 but usually in that range i'm drafting a lot of wide receivers so like when i'm looking at like chris carson he's running back 18 so he's going like what in the the back half of the third like fourth round yeah 39.2 right now yeah so i'm like i'm like hitting the smash button on like mike evans and like wide receivers in that range so that's why i rarely have any chris carson and we're talking about running back that's 26 years old uh i mean but i don't know how old his legs are and his <laughs> are so I, I would be surprised to kind of see him uh make it through a full season but don't get me wrong i'm, I'm rooting him for him to do it right like I, I want him to do it really really badly i i just it's not something that i'm willing to pull the trigger on uh in that range so and then, you know, Seattle, like like I said, they want to run, but like how much can they run? And Chris Carson, even though they try to force feed him some targets, uh, dude's got bricks for hands, man. He's just not going to be a factor in the, in the passing game. And, you know, if they brought in Dwayne Eskridge, they brought in Gerald Everett, I think there's a, you know, a lot more better options. Like my view is uh, when there's when there's no talent, when the, the wide receiver room is devoid of talent, right? That's when you can kind of go and put your chips in on the running back because that's like yeah. the that's the feed out, right? But the converse is true. If they bring in more talented pass catchers, uh, then it's going to take away from the running back because like passing to the running back is not is not a pl- plus EV move most of the time unless you're like fucking Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> um, so you know they brought in an escort, they brought in drilled ever. You got another year of DK Metcalf like in his going going into his third year now, and you got Tyler Lockett, who's like the most efficient duo between him and Russell Wilson in the NFL, and it has been for like you know multiple years running. It's not even debatable; it's just fact. Um, so I think I think I'm just you know it, it, I'm not as excited about two down grinders in that range, especially older. But I I see the appeal. It's just that I'd see way more appeal on wide receivers there. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm someone who does like to load up early on running back. So in this round range, like you're saying, there's guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, maybe DJ Moore a little too early for him. But guys in that range that I really like to target at wide receiver. Last year, Carson was running back 14 in PPR, as well as in half PPR and 13 in standard, talking about points per game. So I feel like mm-hmm. when he's healthy, he's a guy that could potentially win you multiple weeks, especially if Pete Carroll really does try to run the ball for some fucking reason. He always tries to run, even though Russell Wilson looks really good. That's my biggest scare away from the guys we're going to talk about a little bit later is that maybe they try to run the ball more, but you never know because last year Russell Wilson looked so good, but Pete Carroll still insisted on trying to really hammer on and run the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, let Russ cook when it when it lasted. It was beautiful. I mean, it was yeah. beautiful. I think. I mean, I think part of it was not letting him cook, but also part of it was just defenses adjusting. You know, they started uh, changing how they how they played DK Metcalf, um, how they played Tyler Lockett, and Tyler Lockett got hurt and he came back, and then you know was not not the same self. But yeah, it's it's an interesting, really interesting offense. I mean, at the end of the day, I believe that you know game script dictates your ability to run more than anything so like if you don't have a good defense and you can't stop them like you're not going to be able to run and they're they're in a pretty tough division so we'll, we'll see what happens um but i'm, I'm interested um kind of seeing how that passing game develops all right so speaking of the passing game time to talk about the wide receivers metcalf lockett Dwayne eskridge i normally would say we would talk about metcalf first but i think lockett is the most interesting wide receiver on this team when it comes to where he's going in fantasy underdog yeah. adp wide receiver number 20 overall pick 41.9 last year in 16 games he finishes the wide receiver eight in ppr nine and a half ppr from points per game perspective he was wide receiver 12 in ppr and 12 and a half ppr so what do you think about tyler lockett because he's one of those guys that I will be taking in drafts, but I have little confidence week to week that I'm going to genuinely know what to do with Tyler Lockett. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Lockett, look, people are scared of like the boom bust thing, right? And that's what it comes down to. Like, yeah, like he scored 40 points, but then in the other game, he put up a couple of duds. Like my perspective yeah. for wide receiver is this, like every year there's, there's only one Devonte Adams and there's only one Michael Thomas, right? If yeah. you're not, if you're not one of those guys, you're just going to bust like, uh, you know, a lot of the time. I mean, if you think back to Chris Godwin's like wide receiver one overall performance, even he had like a ton of busts. What I care about wide receiver, though, is like guys who can give me like those weak winning upside because, you know, at the end of the day, like if you think back, shout out to uh, the great Adam Hardstad on Twitter, but most games are blowouts. You're not, I mean, we remember the, the nail biters and the ones we lose by like a point or a carry yeah. or whatever, but most go back and look at your fantasy leagues. I mean, most of your, most of your weeks, you're getting blown out by 20, 30 points, right? So yeah. <laughs> you, you want these guys that, that are actually making a difference. And I think Tyler Lockett in the fourth round, just, just like makes a lot of sense. I get it. He, he's boom bust. You're not, so don't try and don't try and get too cute with the lineups, right? I mean, if you're drafting a wide receiver, in the fourth round, chances are they're probably just going to sit in your starting lineup. You're going to take the hits, you're going to take, and you're going to take the blows as they come with you. But you, the, the key to that is understanding how the rest of your roster is constructed, right? So you're going to get boom, you're going to get bust from your wide receiver two, which is Tyler Lockett, right? But hopefully, if you went running back early, unless unless you're a crazy, you know, zero RB uh, zealot that likes <laughs> to fade running back early, hopefully you have like a workhorse running back if you're picking early, right? You have like a CMC, a Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. If they don't get injured. That's like really your floor, right? Your week-to-week -week floor comes from like your running backs and, and your quarterbacks because those tend to be more predictable. Uh, but wide receiver, you kind of just got to take the variance and you got to hope the variance hits your way when it matters most in the playoffs. But that's just that's just part of the game. I've never really stressed too much about like these boom-bust wide receivers. Like, you know, 10, 12 points a week is not really going to win you the week, right? I mean, you need yeah. like 25, 30-point performances. And I want as many of those guys that are, are you know, are capable of doing that as possible on my team so that, you know, when one flops, the other one kind of makes up for it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on if you were to draft two running backs early and then a tight end in that range? What would you do? Do you feel comfortable if Lockett was your wide receiver one or would you want to go like a little more safe? Because that would be my opinion was to try to go a little bit safer than at yeah, wide yeah. receiver. This is definitely where like roster construction, construction kind of comes into play. Right. So Tyler Lockett is your wide receiver one. I mean, the, the thing is, like, if you did go tight end and running back, though, that probably means you got, like, a Darren Waller, right? And, yeah. like, two running backs. You could probably afford it. Like, I have championship teams where, you know, I drafted the startup year and I had, like, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, uh, like, Alvin Kamara, or, like, Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara, something like that. Right? I had, like, three star running backs and I had, like, 
a good tight end. And then Tyler Lock was my wide receiver one. It worked and it was fine because like I got those points elsewhere. Um, but it really depends on who who your running backs are too, right? Like, is your running back also like a very boom bust type guy that's like a two down grinder? Is it like a Nick Chubb? Is it like a you know Derrick Henry's a fucking beast, obviously, but yeah. he's still pretty <laughs> boom bust, right? Or do you have like a Christian McCaffrey? Like, if I have Christian McCaffrey, I'm not too concerned about uh, like what <laughs> what wide receivers I'm taking. So I'm just going for the for the boom guys. Okay, I think you may have actually completely changed my mind on Tyler Lockett during this video because I was someone who was not very in on Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, I think I think he's a good value, man. I think he's a good value. Yeah, now you know what? So do I now. So I completely agree with you. So next up, we're gonna be talking about Mr. Decaf Metcalf, underdog ADP, wide receiver number six, overall pick number 20.8 so he was a guy that in initial mock drafts i was seeing from a bunch of months ago he was like a first round draft pick now he's pretty solid in the middle of the second round uh last season he finished as wide receiver seven in ppr seven and a half ppr five in standard points per game perspective wide receiver 10 in ppr eight and a half ppr eight in standard what are your thoughts on metcalf and do you think that he is going to have a similar season to what he did last year yeah i mean i think he's a fucking beast like uh, he has like massive upside because he's, uh, you know, he's he's using the red zone. Russell loves peppering with targets, deep ones as well. And this is the third year. Like players usually continue to get better, right? And he has not, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. So uh, I'm big in on DK Metcalf. I I love like for for like maybe a period of a month when I was spamming underdogs uh, drafts, I was getting him, like the top of the third. So I'd go like you know, workhorse running back Darren Waller, and I open like yeah. DK Metcalf, and there'd be like. I'd be like that. That's like the goat start for me because then I'm getting Tyler Lockett after that and getting Russell Wilson the six. So uh, I love DK Metcalf. I think I think he's probably uh, fairly priced. Like he might not finish as the wide receiver one overall, but you know he definitely has that type of upside if things go his way in the red zone um, and given the volume that he's getting and the connection he has with Russ. So yeah, I'm big up on DK both in dynasty and redraft. Love him everywhere. Okay, so maybe you are definitely higher than Metcalf on me. I have him around like the 8-9 range. I just I think the top end at the wide receiver is so different for every single person. Some people I've seen have Michael Thomas as like a top five wide receiver again. All these guys, Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, I think are going to be able to outscore uh, DK Metcalf potentially, even A.J. Brown. So in the range of where they're going right now, who would you take, A.J. Brown or Metcalf? Because those are like they're right next to each other. Oh yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I I've been mixing it up, but in underdogs, I've been going DK just because a stack is is better and it's easier to get. Um, but you know, in, in dynasty, I literally have them back to back. I have <laughs> yeah. DK, I have DK ahead, but I have them all in the same tier, like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, like Tyreek Hill. That's like my tier one uh, wide receiver for dynasty. I think for redraft. It's a little bit more complicated because, you know, you got I, – I think Michael Thomas is also in for a big season. I don't know if he'll be wide receiver one overall, but top five definitely within his range of outcomes. And you got, like, dark horses like Mike Evans is always a fucking sneaky bet to kind of seek in the top five just because of how many fucking t touchdowns he gets. He's basically the goal line back for Tampa Bay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – look, the wide receiver is so fluid, right? Like, there's this – you know, in that top range, you know, everyone has, like, a couple of tiers or, or whatever, but – you know, you talk about the top guys like Tyreek Hill, Devonta Adams, and all these guys. Like, I think DK Metcalf can give them a run for their money uh, for most of them, with the exception of maybe Devonta Adams if Aaron Rodgers plays. Um, I think everyone else is kind of like a crapshoot. So, I think I prefer DK Metcalf slightly to AJ Brown, but it's like not by any you know any big gap or anything like that. 
Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. I I think that a guy like Terry McLaurin could even outscore DK Metcalf. But again, it's very confusing. The top 10 for everyone is so different because any of these guys could easily become the wide receiver number one. Maybe what are the list of the guys that you think that could be the wide receiver one? Is it a shorter list like just Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, or is it like a deeper six, seven, eight guy list? I, I think if Aaron Rodgers plays, Devontae Adams is always there, obviously. Um, yeah. Even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, Adams is probably like, you know, top eight still. So it's not not a huge fall off. But I think the top candidates are Tyreek Hill. And I think Stephon Diggs is probably my favorite to to be that. Because if, you, if you're looking at the volume that they got, right, he got, and the Bills aren't really going to change up their pass to run ratio. I mean, you know, Devin Singletary stinks. Zach Moss stinks slightly less. But, <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen's going to do Josh Allen things, and they kind of open up the, that offense for them. I guess it depends on how defenses adjust, but I could very easily see Stephon Diggs, if he stays healthy, obviously, uh, lead the league in targets. And the only thing he was missing last year was touchdowns. And we know touchdowns, like, I mean, it's, it's pretty fluky, and we've seen Diggs be ultra-efficient before in the red zone. Like, I mean, he's a contested catch monster. So I'm not worried about Stephon Diggs in the red zone. So if he gets a couple of those touchdowns, bounces way, I think he's definitely in there. And then Tyreek Hill. Like, I think that's the that's the short list for, like, wide receiver one overall. If DK Metcalf got there, I'd be I'd be surprised. Uh, I, would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but, like, that's not, like, my favorite. I think it's, it's like, the Diggs, uh, Hill, and Adams trio, assuming Rodgers plays. Yeah, like we, you were talking about with the touchdowns, the only wide receiver who's normally with a bunch of touchdowns is Mike Evans. He's probably the only one you can really and Adams just, And Adams, yeah. And Adams, yeah, that you can just yeah. go ahead and put a check mark in that they're going to score like eight, ten touchdowns every single year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to get the wide receiver one overall, unless you're Michael Thomas, you get like two million targets, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you need like double-digit touchdown upside. So you need like to be able to hit like 12 to, to 14, and those are the guys that, that really can hit that and still get like monster target volume. Yeah, so like you were talking about earlier, you really don't see any type of improvement in the Seattle defense like at all. You think they're just going to be shit like last season, or do you think that they'll they'll show more of what they showed at the end of last season? Because I feel like they were at least a bit better. They weren't Yeah, terrible. they definitely got a little bit better, um, but they're not like the elite defense that we used to see, right? Like, I mean, yeah. P.P. Carroll, you know, thinking back to the days of establishing the run when they had Legion of Boom, I mean, they don't have fucking Legion of Boom no more. Yeah. I mean, Jamal <laughs> Adams, sure, he's, he's good, and, you know, Bobby Wagner, you know, was one of the most underrated linebackers, although I think he's probably getting a little bit older now. But, like, they're just not the same. They're not the same. And, you know, Russ doing Russ things. And they have DK. They have Lockett. They have they have one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. Um, so, I mean, it, to me, it just makes sense to use it. But, you know, I get it. Coaches don't always do the thing that makes sense. So people are concerned. Yeah, I agree. Pete Carroll does not seem like the kind of guy who does what makes sense at, <laughs> at all. Like, you brought up his gum chewing. It's so fucking annoying when they pander him. <laughs> on the sideline he's munching on his gum and then they just call some absolutely ridiculous play that's just what he <laughs> yeah. that's literally like every nbc yeah, broadcast of the game that's what he does man he's the king of that so the other wide receiver to talk about is Dwayne Eskridge. do you have any thoughts of him being potentially valuable in fantasy this season at all or is he just a, a dynasty guy uh he's he's more of a dynasty guy i, th- I mean i wasn't i remember very early on in the off season and people were talking about him as like a first round pick and i was like okay this is this is a bit too wild for me um and you know he got all that like senior bowl hype i i personally don't give a shit about the senior bowl but you know i got all that senior bowl hype senior bowl coverage but now like his price has fallen to a point where it's like hey i'm, I'm willing to fire some shots because his profile isn't like isn't horrible yes he's really old but from like a production perspective, like he's been pretty good. Uh, he's definitely a smaller guy, but so is Tyler Lockett, and kind of made that work. I don't think in seasonal you're gonna draft this guy, right? I, I don't. 
that's not going to happen. Like, don't use a draft pick. In best ball, I've been drafting them because it's a cheap way to complete a stack with Russell Wilson again. So, uh, <laughs> and there could definitely be like a couple boom games. I mean, Russell Wilson made David Moore. You know, David Moore had a couple boom games. Do you guys know who David Moore is? Like, most people probably don't know who he is or give a shit about him. But he was another guy similar to Estridge, is like, you know, is not is not like a sterling profile but had a decent enough analytical profile and you know made some plays and you know he'll have a couple of those weeks where he gets like 100 yards and like a t- touchdown because you know that's what happens when you're playing with russell wilson so in best ball I- i'm interested in, and he's going like in the i'm mostly drafting like 17th 18th round so again like those are just free picks to me so if i have russell wilson i'll just snag him and complete the complete like a triple or a quad stack um if not then i'll probably just stay away but in seasonal you're probably not going to be drafting this guy or, or even you're probably not even going to be wavering him at least i'm not uh unless unless i'm desperate okay so speaking of david moore that's one of those guys that always pissed me off because i always thought he was tyler lockett they're kind of a similar build <laughs> and you see him toe tap at the end zone you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. tyler lockett no somehow that's david moore yeah, so, yeah, that was David pretty Moore annoying. Touchdowns, man, it was a uh, good times. <laughs> you know what team he's on now? Uh, he's on Carolina, right? So uh-huh. now it's gonna be confusing. So you're gonna get people watching. When you guys get trades in Dynasty, watch out if you get a D, if you get a D Moore, make sure you open up that D Moore and it's DJ Moore, not David Moore. I know some some guys are sneaky and will probably try and get uh, get one over on you. Yeah, no, Twitter. I've seen so many of those on Twitter. Yeah, it's so funny. So the final position to be talking about here on the team is obviously the tight end. Now, they haven't had a tight end for a while in Seattle. That was pretty good. But they did get Gerald Everett, who I think is pretty solid. Nothing super special, but he is coming off as tight end number 15. Do you have any interest in drafting a guy like uh, Everett, or do you think he doesn't have he has limited I, upside? I have a ton of interest in drafting. I've, I've been drafting Everett all offseason. I've been drafting Everett since, like, you know, february march april when he was like tight end 22 i think his uh-huh. price has gotten at least caught up to him now right he's going to like the 12th 13th round i remember when he was going in the 15th 16th and every time i got there i'm like all right i'm taking care of gerald everett every time and then again <laughs> just like another very w- easy way to uh, afford a stack with russell wilson because seattle when they get to the red zone it's like it's russell wilson touchdown time like i mean he it, People, you know, we talk about regressing the mean and whatever, and Russell Wilson definitely, you know, regresses a bit, but Russell Wilson's like mean is like, you know, 6% like touchdown, right? Yeah. So uh, when we get there, like you're looking for guys that can catch passes in the in the red zone, and that's Tyler Lockett, that's DK Metcalf, and that's Gerald Everett. So I think Gerald Everett has like that eight touchdown, maybe, maybe on the outside chance, maybe even like a 10, eight to 10 touchdown range. Uh, because if you look at what Jimmy Graham did, I mean, Gerald Everett now I think is a more athletic than what Joe, Jimmy Graham was uh, when he when he made it to Seattle, and I don't think Gerald Everett is like a like a stud world beater, but I think he's a better than probably what he got credit for uh, when he was playing uh, with the Rams. Um, so I, I'm very interested in Gerald Everett. I remember when people were drafting freaking Anthony Ferkser over Gerald Everett. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I'm just gonna not draft any Anthony Ferkser and draft Gerald Everett like three rounds later. Thank you very much. Uh, so hopefully people got some exposure early. Uh, his price is caught up, but I think it's still reasonable uh, in the double digits. Yeah, his price has continued to rise recently. It's up 21.42 picks in the last week. Yeah. So that just yeah. shows how, how much he's rising. He's a guy that I also like. Would you think that he has any outside shot of finishing as a top five guy, or is he just like a, a tight end you draft if you completely punted the position? Uh, yeah, he's more of like a guy you draft and you punt the position. Could he finish top five? Like. Yeah, I mean, like Jimmy Graham did. Like, like I said, all yeah. you need is that ten touchdowns. If he gets ten touchdowns, then he's top five. Like, look at Robert Tony; he had five hundred something yards and eleven touchdowns, and he was a top five tight end. Uh, so, you know, I think I think it's if if I'm gonna bet on an outside tight end to get there, it's someone that's gonna be very athletic, 
uh, and has shown some level of efficiency in the past and has capabilities in the red zone on a good offense with a good quarterback. And he kind of checks a lot of those boxes. Uh, so I'm personally interested in him. And if he got there, I think, you know, we'd know how he got there and through touchdowns. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So before we close out of this video, I guess there isn't too much more to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. But uh, real quick question, would you prefer to draft Gerald Everett or Mike Gesicki? Uh, I like Gerald Everett. Uh, okay. I've never been a big Gesicki guy, even though he, he, he has improved quite a bit. So, um, But, it's, I mean, it's pretty close. I think, are they going really back-to-back right now? I don't or, think they're necessarily back-to-back, but they're in a similar range like Everett, Irv Smith, yeah. and that kind of range back there. Yeah. So, I mean, for there, it just comes down to, like, if you think about, uh, like, the each offense, right? And I think Miami's in for a much bigger year, but Tua's not Russell Wilson, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> you know, they have Will Fuller, the god, and, uh, you know, they have Jalen Waddle out there, Devonta Parker. And Gesicki's just never been, like, a very efficient player. Like, he gets by on touchdowns as well. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to bet on a touchdowns from the offense, I'm probably going to bet on uh, Gerald Everett over uh, Mike Gesicki. I think Gerald Everett's also a better player, so. All right, that makes a lot of sense. I like Everett as well. So do you have anything else to say before we hop out of here? This one was pretty quick. I mean, 30 minutes, that's not a fucking quick in reality, but <laughs> <laughs> not not some super long, drawn-out video. So do you have no, anything I'm, else you want to add on to here? Not much, man. Just uh, your congrats on uh, all the channel success. Uh, and, you know, everybody like 14K subscribers now and, like, million-something views. So, you know, people don't know, but, like, man, the grind is is tough. Like, I, I do, like, a couple of videos a week, and I'm like, fuck like this is this is taking out of me so you're doing it every day so you know hopefully uh viewers kind of appreciate what you're doing uh behind the scenes there but you know i know from my personal experience as a much less voluminous content creator that that can't be easy so man shout out to you congrats to to you and the channel and and uh, all the folks that kind of help you there Thank you. I appreciate it. Make sure you guys check out everything that Mike said earlier. Make sure you check out his Patreon as well if you are a dynasty degenerate like like him, obviously, like he said earlier. So make sure you guys check all that out. Check out Mike on Twitter as well. His Twitter's on the screen. It's also linked down below. Thank you again for coming on. Like I say in all of these videos, I am only going to bring on someone if I actually like respect them and think they actually have something important to say. A lot of people, they'll just bring on other analysts because they think, oh, that'll bring in the views, right? No, that's not why I brought on Mike. Obviously, he'll bring in some views as well, but that's not the only reason. It's because he, obviously, you listen through his whole video. He was talking a lot of the time, not me, and you guys actually hear his opinion as well, which I think is pretty solid. So thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, it was a good time. Awesome. So thank you guys for watching again. Make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. Make sure you have a great rest of your guys' day. Check out Mike again, as always.